Welcome to PwC's Tax Reform Readiness Podcast Series. This podcast is an excerpt from PwC's Tax Reform Readiness Webcast Series, held on August 15, 2018, discussing the mobile workforce in the age of tax reform. The panelists for the webcast were David Nixon, a PwC tax principal and leader of our intercompany design and execution practice, Eileen Mulaney, a PwC tax partner and leader of our global mobility consulting practice, Rohit Sachva, a PwC tax principal who focuses on supply and value chain reorganizations, Blanca Kavari, a PwC tax principal who focuses on transfer pricing issues, and Mike Molly, a PwC partner and leader of our internal audit, compliance, and risk management practice. This excerpt consists of a general discussion among the panelists on the mobile workforce as part of operating models, intercompany design and charging for a mobile workforce, and risk and control considerations. Have a listen. Okay, well, um, let's, um, let's move on, um, talk about US tax reform. Um, so we got some, you know, the, the broader context and, uh, you know, the practicalities that, that we find. I mean, right, you're right in the mix with clients right now thinking about, you know, what does US tax reform do to their structure? So maybe you could kind of take us through thinking in this space. Sure. So David, um, when I think about the impact of US reform uh, in connection with mobility, uh, I, I see a lot of indirect implications, which are highly relevant and companies need to consider those. I mean, Blanca touched upon uh, the fact that, you know, if almost 80% of your uh, organization employees are mobile in some form or the other, they are inherently causing some kind of uh, taxable presence risk uh, potentially, right? And we focus more on that top layer, not so much on the middle layer, maybe other people. Uh, maybe we focus more on the principal hub activities, but do we need to look beyond that? Are we creating an exposure which no one is aware of at, the, at this stage? And when, when I kind of have an interplay with the US reform, we now have a guilty and top-up tax system you know, PE typically causes double taxation in some cases. Are you putting yourself in a worse position or somewhat worse position than before because of the double tax? You know, companies have uh, 861 allocation issues, so the more taxes you, that you put in the system, the worse that your position becomes. So that's one area. I, I think from that perspective, Eileen mentioned earlier that it's still very relevant to have the form nailed down, right, when it comes to the right intercompany agreements, uh, the right recharge policy, the right guidelines for commuting, what you can do and what you can't do. So some of those things are still very relevant, although there's a huge trend towards you know, looking at the substance of the activities. Um, the other thing that we are seeing companies do, they're re-evaluating what their principal hub activities should look like in the future. US corporate tax rate has gone down. So when you look to you know, what the principal location should be in the future, you now have US in the mix as well. And for certain companies, either bringing IP back to the US or uh, at least having more value-added activities from the US makes a lot of sense. So um, in that case, I think there has, that has a direct impact on the mobility as well to the extent there were US people for principal hub activities were, were kind of mobile uh, and, and traveling quite a bit. 
Um, the, the other piece um, where we started to pay more attention together with companies is, um, you know, obviously transfer pricing, but uh, mobile employees could also cause subpart F issues, right? So in certain categories of subpart F, you know, depending upon where activities are performed, you could have adverse implications in the sub F as well. Uh, the other thing we can think of is um, situations where companies, for cost reasons or, or other reasons, you know, lift, uh, you know, the entire part of the organization and put it in a center of excellence, let's say, outside the U.S. Now we have a new provision called BEAT, where payments from the U.S. to uh, external uh, foreign-based COE is now subject to BEAT. So earlier, if it made sense from a cost uh, perspective or business perspective, you did not have that implication. So, so there's several implications that are now in the mix because of U.S. reform. Maybe a couple additional ones I can talk about. You know, expanded definition of IP now includes workforce in place. So if you are moving, you know, some parts of your uh, workforce out to a different location, potentially you are triggering exit tax. Um, maybe there's some opportunities as well. There's changes to definition of 863B and, and how your U.S. Uh, effectively connected income rules work. So some opportunities, but various risks that you need to monitor. Yeah, and, and you, you might expect me to ask this, Ray, given what I do, but you know, from a, an execution perspective of all of this sort of centralization, you, you know, in the work you've done with clients, do you find that, that people are prepared for the, like the implementation and sustainability effort that goes along with these type of changes? Or, you know, Good, how, great, big, or how great, big a shock is it? Great question. So, so we, we sometimes do these uh, governance audits usually two or three years after a structure has been put in place. And oftentimes you're surprised with how much the deviation has occurred from the original design. So um, I think the companies are getting better, but um, there's a lot that still needs to be done. And I think Mike had earlier kind of started to talk about some kind of uh, mobility audit. Is that something that tax groups should kind of stay plugged in or, or get plugged into so that they can weave that in their tax design as well. Yeah, because I think, you know, Blanca, you were talking about this, you know, in sort of the context of M&A, there's the, you know, that people design things in good faith and then right. just things over time. But I think the thing you, you were kind of overlaying on top of that is this incredible dynamism around the, just around business strategy, right? Mm -hmm. And there's certainly, you know, certainly clients said, said to me in the past that it feels sometimes that they're, you know, frontline strategy folks prioritize speed over safety, right? right? In terms right. of right <laughs> growth, um, but you know, I think now when you sort of additionally say, oh, and by the way, as well as being incredibly dynamic, we've also got like real changes in the way we're executing that from a people right. perspective. Right. So we're trying to kind of fit, right, in terms of into, you know, the sort of tax regimes as they were on R and R changing, right? This real sort of shifting sand around the employees Absolutely. yeah yeah not happening so you've also want to hear about tracking mobility yeah i so so tracking so. mobility is um i, I think the, the governance audit piece and the um, mobility audit piece kind of somehow woven into your um, regular uh, tax profile uh, when companies think about that um, maybe weaving that in in that uh, periodic discussions with the HR group, maybe 
tax team being a part of that HR discussions as well, somehow having that ingrained in the organization would go a long way is, is what we're seeing. Yeah. And this is interesting because kind of the new way a lot of people are working is virtually. So what is the company's HR position? Uh, quite often there isn't a tax position right. or there's a tax position once the case-by-case -case question is asked to the corporate tax function. So more and more companies thinking about what is our position on virtual work? Are we going to allow everyone to do it? Are we allowing certain people to do it in certain locations? And what is the employee message back from an HR perspective? But what, how do we balance the risk with that? So David, to your question earlier, for the companies that are really doing well on the business travel aspect, they're starting to move forward for virtual work and mm -hmm. remote work. So mm -hmm. this whole concept of virtual taxation, that's next for a lot of these foreign governments and states because you're providing services for the benefit of that local entity do you need the right to work there? Are you reporting compensation expense? Mm -hmm. All of those kinds of things are, you know, some of the, the foreign governments are becoming more and more sophisticated. They've tackled the traveler issue. Now it's remote work. And that's a real challenge for organizations because a, a manager who's not kind of very familiar with these issues says, can I work, you know, two weeks when I go home to visit my parents? Mm -hmm. And it sounds like a very easy question just to say yes mm -hmm. and no idea what kind of risk that's creating for the organization. But I think a lot of systems that we deal with aren't main, meant to track that type of work. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, that's, that's a good point on tracking. So, I mean, you, you talk, Rohit, about the sort of the, you know, the governance review, right? Mm -hmm. A compliance health check a couple of years after right. a transaction. And, you know, I think, um, you know, having, you know, done those kind of things, you know, in the past, it was senior executives, directors of companies, mm -hmm. uh, do they have any timesheets? Do they, you know, it, you know, where did they, can we look at any of their emails? You know, where did they, you know, undertake activities? But I think this question of tracking, mm -hmm. and, you know, from a technology perspective, I mean, there's, there's obviously, in terms of understanding the traveler base, there's obviously the travel records, but it'd be really interesting to understand what other things companies are doing apart from mm -hmm. tax, to track where people are doing this work and then like, how might that be something right. that we the corporate tax department could leverage? And interesting, you know, it's, we have lots of tools, obviously, and it's interesting how aggressive a company wants to be. So you can track the individual. I mean, we all have phone firm-issued devices, so the firm knows where mm -hmm. you are at all times, but how bold does the company want to be in tracking you? So we have a lot of our tools where there's GPS tracking devices on those tools, and the person has to say, Yes, I'm working from Indonesia today or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. Um, but a lot of companies are a little bit gun shy on that. So they prefer a more passive approach mm -hmm. where it's not actively tracking the individual kind of by their device, but through travel records and things like that. It gets a little bit tricky, though, when someone's tacking on vacation time and want, they're taking vacation and then want to tack on some work-related activities during that vacation time or after that vacation time that may not show up on a corporate travel record. And I would imagine... All things that we're seeing in Europe around data privacy. Oh my gosh, huge issues. Right. So huge a good issues. question. What happens when, you know, I know yeah, a new citizen, data. you know, was here on, you know, rotation, but then goes back and becomes a resident in Europe? And yes. The world of GDPR. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, but I, but I think the key thing is there's almost certainly more data available to clients than that maybe they've, they've thought is there mm -hmm. that they could take advantage Absolutely. of. I, I mean, and, and, and that's just a question because I know, you know we don't work together. In terms of being able to access, you know, travel records, you know, to mm -hmm. segregate different groups of travelers, I mean, how, how complex is that? I mean, is it, 
you know, is it the kind of thing that's become a lot Generally, more it's not complex at all. Most companies use a travel provider, an external source. In many cases, mm-hmm. it's a global provider. So to get travel records um, for us to, or any firm to do an analysis, it's not really that difficult. I think um, it's a little bit harder if you're not, don't have any sort of travel platform and you let individuals go off and do their own thing in terms of travel. I think since 9-11, though, the world has gotten a little bit different and there's less ability for individuals to just go out and book their own travel mm-hmm. with whatever data source they want and much more centralized. So through travel records, through expense records is another way, through security badge swipes. So there's lots of different data sources that mm-hmm. exist within the company that's pretty easy to do analysis. And, and usually um, it's the tax group going to, let's say, the IT team or the HR team right. or a combination? That's right. right, to be able to do that, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to uh, my, my specialist subject. So, uh, so I spend my time thinking about um, practically, right, how do companies execute charging for, you know, intercompany services and value, and obviously the you know, the workforce, a very significant component. In terms of, you know, what we're seeing at the moment uh, in this space, um, uh, you know, the sort of current themes that our clients are grappling with, I think the, you know, the starting point is to say um, an increasing focus on um, the sustainability effort and implementation cost associated with different policy choices. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, historically, you design a policy for the optimum value and then, you know, pass it to someone to execute. And I think as, you know, you, you've been sort of talking about is that, that, that can lead to something that would be quite difficult to, you know, maintain and monitor, right? Dynamic business, right? Complex calculations. Um, and, e- and equally, you know, something that's very straightforward right. and have the flexibility, right, to cope with the business change. So I think, um, you know, as we always say, the, you know, the best execution, right, focuses on a clear translational line of sight back to the policy, but equally, the best policies take account of what is really going to be capable of, of monitoring the future. The other thing that we're seeing is um, in you know, the sort of intercompany space around mobility is the execution itself being a driver and value add in the transformation process. So um, organizations spend you know, thousands of hours, tens of thousands of hours for sure, um, on the the execution of these processes. I mean, you know, you talked about it, right? So you've got all this; these costs are going into cost centers, right? And those charges are making their way through, you, you know, headquarter recharges, cost-sharing calculations, right? Mm-hmm. Traditionally, a lot of that's done manually, right? Sort of through spreadsheets because, you know, intercompany was seen as a, you know, left pocket, right pocket issue, finance, and therefore, you know, people in specific teams built their built their technology tools. So we're definitely seeing companies say, well, hold on, let's think about this a little differently, is, you know, the cost base that's being recharged potentially here, right, very, very significant. Mm-hmm. So not through, you know, on the tax side, as you've been talking about, but also when we think about cash flow management, mm-hmm. yeah. right, when we think about, you know, FP&A teams and their understanding of, true channel profitability, right, and product profitability, right, it all comes down to do we understand the way these expenses are getting allocated. Um, and as a result of that, increasingly, um, we're seeing leading companies think about this sort of intercompany HR or as a, an, you know, in, integrated governance environment, mm-hmm. right? There are obviously 
you know, tasks are going to get divided up, but ultimately there needs to be some sort of cohesive sense, right, of governance across across it all. Um, I think, as you said, it's it's not just HR and tax; it's yeah. legal and mm -hmm. you know operations and everything yeah. else. Um, and that's definitely driving um, changes in how companies think about the alignment of resources. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I tend to think of in these execution processes. There are, well, there's matters of judgment and there's matters of execution. Mm -hmm. And where organizations have run into trouble, um, it's typically because they've got that mixed up. So people whose day job should have just been executing the numbers get faced with policy they have to interpret on the fly, right? And then, you know, that's when you start deviating away from the plan. But equally, right, um, we find a lot of tax departments that are overloaded with accounting execution tasks in this space, which either could be better done by a system or maybe better housed in other parts of finance. And I think it is this discussion around governance and control on an organizational basis that's then asking people to say, well, hold on, who's the right person? Let's not start with whose job it is. Let's start with the process and then let's ask ourselves, like, who's the right um, team to be doing this? Um, I definitely think, you know, you, you talked about it um, a lot today, Eileen, about the data-rich environment we're now in. And I think that's definitely informing the way our clients are thinking about their execution is mm -hmm. there's more data available, which provides a great opportunity to be more sophisticated. It's also a risk because the more complexity, the harder it is to build a sustainable, replicable, because I'm sure, you know, yeah. Your clients, Mike, are saying, "It's just, can we just have a process?" And yeah. just do, like, <laughs> no, why, do you, why do you tax guys want to keep changing this? Thing, <laughs> yeah, right? You yeah. know, so I simple, yeah. simple. Yeah. That's right, that's right. Um, and I think, and then finally, um, there's very, very strong uh, push towards leveraging mm -hmm. the corporate IT investment. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there are you know seismic changes in the. Um, you know, the IT systems from both a, you know, cloud and performance perspective. Um, and companies are replatforming, right? Mm -hmm. And as they're spending this money on this, this replatforming effort, um, there's a huge opportunity for tax departments to take advantage of this. And I think um, we're seeing more and more examples where, you know, tax departments are being said, look, we're making this investment over here, right? Can't you just Yes. leverage that rather than doing something solo because again it's very hard right you can build something today but continuing this theme about mm -hmm. you you build a policy and then business changes mm -hmm. it's the same with you know tactical technology solutions right yeah. you, the company's going to buy something or sell something right. and and how do you incorporate it so this is all you know uh also people are taking account of so i think you know from a overall technology perspective of how mm -hmm. you know the practicality is okay we've got a strategy around where our people are mm -hmm. right and that's factoring together a, a business commercial um, HR. and HR and right and, and tax imperative um, and then then the question is okay now how are we actually gonna like capture this charge for it remunerate it make sure that it does line up mm -hmm. with the sort of economic reality and therefore on the on this continuum between the the sort of the, the sort of tactical set piece stuff, we're definitely seeing you know companies say, hey, look, let's leverage the investments mm -hmm. we're making, and and that's where you know we're we're seeing you know more and more companies, you know they're you know if they're, if they're implementing project management systems, right, mm -hmm. capturing right. you know people are putting timesheets in, project codes, 
if they are implementing tracking systems, right? This is all, location you know, codes. location codes, all of that type of stuff. This is all, you know, something where you know we're seeing a huge opportunity for right. uh, tax teams to say, you know, to take advantage. But and this is critical, only if you get it baked into design, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and that's the the challenge I think uh, for tax departments who you know, we know are, are spread very thin, who are spread very thin already. They've now got US tax form to deal with on top of that. Mm -hmm. To okay. ask them to kind of then get connected into these programs is a real a real challenge. But you know, you if you don't do it, if you don't do it, right, downstream it becomes uh, really problematic. So, you know, as I said, huge opportunity to harness what's going on elsewhere in the organization. So very similar themes by, you know, in terms of how can tax departments leverage internal audit? It's the same thing. Yeah. How can tax departments leverage the IT roadmap? Um, and, and actually these developments in HR, you know, systems, mobility systems. Mm -hmm. to well, no, and, and, and that's right. And I think it's also, you know, to the point on the data and the upfront design, if you get that laid out, you could build the right monitoring system in place to leverage the analytics to do a lot that's of right. this. I mean, a lot of this data is there. Mm -hmm. And building the ongoing continuous sort of auditing and monitoring capability that now can actually be utilized by the business and not necessarily in the form of a formalized audit as we may know it, but rather as something they use to really monitor things on an ongoing basis and, and, and make adjustments as needed. Yeah, yeah, great. So, uh, Mike, you, you're still smiling after listening to all of this. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, so maybe, you know, ask you to kind of sort of reflect and think about, you know, what, how does the sort of, you know, risk environment and Lord it you know play into all of this yeah yeah I, I think you know we've we talked about a number of things I think if I if I were to summarize and you know clearly we're entering a a time of a lot of change in a lot of different areas both to our business processes and to our systems and which will require us to take a look at our controls that are embedded into those processes and systems. So, you know, my advice to everyone is to engage with your controls experts within the organization and have a seat at the table from the beginning in that redesign process, because it will help things go on a, uh, you know, easier on a go forward basis. And to my earlier point about the use of the data, this is a very data rich set of processes that allow you to do a lot of things from an ongoing monitoring and, and uh, uh, audit perspective. So I, I would suggest that. The, the, other, the other part of it, I think, is, is really to, and I want to pick up on the point that I made earlier about leveraging audit to really help you make sure stuff is happening that you expect to be happening. It's, it's a great opportunity to really get a lot of value overall for the organization. And then, you know, the last thing that I just wanted to share was really, we had a chance actually one of my teams to do a global mobility audit just recently at a, a fairly large organization. And it's interesting, some of the observations, and we've heard some of them already. So a big one on the data. And in this particular case, it actually happens to be related to an integration issue and the HR systems not providing essentially the owners of the global mobility program the data in a timely and complete manner to be able to do the things that they need to do. So that was a big finding that we had. Another one was that they, they didn't have a checkpoint or a, um, a control mechanism in place to ensure that all of the appropriate paperwork that needs to be done when someone's traveling is done prior to the booking of travel. 
which was causing them a lot of back-end problems and follow-up and a lot of inefficiency and, and obviously risk. And then the last thing was that this particular organization used a managed service provider to do a number of things for them as well. And when we looked at the contracts around there, there really were not service level agreements that were embedded into there to make sure, first of all, who, who has responsibility for what and are the appropriate parties living up to their part of the bargain. Those were some real pain points in their global mobility program. And, and, and actually, it was one of the first times that we had done sort of audits in this area, which was pretty enlightening. And I think that there's a lot of value that can come out of that in that. So I think as you continue to think through not only the mobility aspect of it, but other components of tax reform as well, engage with your audit professionals up front, get them involved in the design process. They can provide a lot of advice and insights that will help on the back end to make sure that things actually happen the way you intend them to. Yeah, excellent. Makes sense. 